Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 9 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. I am excited uh, to have another great, interesting interview for you today. Uh, we have the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer of Vegas Gold Knights. Vegas Gold Knights in just three years have become a premier franchise in the league, uh, selling out almost every game uh, with their different marketing techniques uh, with VGK Worldwide. Uh, Vegas born slogan and uh, their road trip all of that uh, is talked about in today's interview with Brian Killingsworth who again is the CMO of the Vegas Golden Knights Um, it's a great interesting interview um, and shows the behind the scenes of how um, NHL teams get people into the arenas Uh, and now we also talk about how to get those fans back after fans are allowed back into the arenas Um, We are also going to be talking about some NHL news, update on the hub cities, and much more after the interview. Uh, But without further ado, let's get you right into that interview with Brian Killingsworth. The Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the Chief Marketing Officer of the Vegas Gold Knights. Before working in Vegas, he was the CMO at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In only three years, the Vegas School Knights have become a premier franchise in the league thanks to the amazing marketing uh, that helps T-Mobile Arena sell out every single game. Not only do the Knights market in Nevada, but they market across the state, uh, across state and country lines to help grow the VGK fan base. And today's guest has been behind it all. Without further ado, please welcome Mr. Brian Killingsworth uh, to the show. Uh, Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Zach. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I, I'm excited to have you on because a lot of people uh, know about the fan experience at the arena, especially in Vegas uh, with the Circus Soleil and the high intensity uh, with the Golden Knights winning. Um, but there's actually a lot of work uh, to get people actually into the arena. Uh, so, and you're all beh- you see all that behind the scenes, and you help uh, get people in the stands. So. Um, I think it's going to be extremely interesting uh, to hear what you do and how you do it. Uh, but before that, uh, how are you doing uh, during the quarantine and during the pandemic? And what have you been up to? Well, I've been uh, trying to stay safe and healthy as much as possible with my family. We've been uh, working from home probably the last six weeks. We now have just started entering back into the office and yeah. uh, and a staggered schedule. But uh you know, obviously this is, has been a tough time for all of us, but I think uh, the silver lining from my perspective is, you know, get a chance to spend a little bit more time with my wife and, and my boys mm-hmm. uh, with the work from home. My wife was leading uh, virtual learning for the kids and uh, I've got three boys and my youngest is 16 months. So I was able to kind of help her with him because uh, he's running around like crazy. And uh, so that's been a nice little silver lining, but uh, it's been it's been a little bit of challenge, but uh, you know all the communication tools that we have from Zoom and Microsoft Teams have made it easy to stay connected. Yeah, I think that when with this pandemic uh, all happening, like you said, there's silver lining to everything, and there's a few blessing in disguises. Uh, you get to spend more time with your family, uh, and I think those are the things that you have to look for specifically uh, with all everything that's going on in the world. Um, but like I said, Brian, uh, in the introduction, the Gold Knights have grown so quickly on three years. And right when Vegas started, the slogan Vegas Born uh, was made. And I 
I spoke to one of the the ringside reporter for the Gold Knights, uh, Stormy Bonantoni, and she said, uh, "Who is Stormy's from Vegas?" And she said that this Vegas-born slogan really spoke to her because she was uh, born in Vegas. Uh, tell me why this was the best hashtag and slogan for your team when it started out. But how does this help grow the fan base in Vegas, but also across the world? Because a lot of people aren't from Vegas that are fans as well. Yeah, before we launched the season, we did a lot of uh, internal and external meetings and focus groups with different people that lived in and around Vegas and were from Vegas and then those that weren't from. And we noticed that uh, people are really proud to be either living now in Las Vegas or from Vegas. And uh, we really wanted to celebrate the fact that we are Vegas's first major professional sports franchise. Yeah. So the more we started digging into it, um, we felt like Vegas born spoke to that. Not only is the franchise Vegas born, but it really celebrated people that were born in Vegas or even families that live in Vegas now, and maybe their kids were born in Vegas. And so it was more than just a campaign or a tagline. It became really a, a mantra of the franchise and yeah. uh, really started taking off. Uh, we started seeing kids uh, bring posters to games at T-Mobile Arena uh, that said, uh, the Golden Knights are Vegas-born just like me. And so it started catching on, and you started to see this pride in the region and with the team. And, uh, you know, we're really proud of the way that that took hold. And, you know, it's still something that we continue today because we're, we're, we're still Vegas-born. That's still our messaging and, and still our mantra, and we're going to continue to build on that. Yeah, and I know as a CMO, it's a – almost a gift to not have uh, any competition uh, when you're starting out, you know, and we'll get it into the Raiders and the Silver Knights later on, but how is it being able to market uh, when you were really the only major league sports in town? You know, I think it gave us a head start. And uh, what I noticed coming here from Tampa, Florida, where I worked for the Buccaneers and, and where I grew up is that uh, in Tampa, there were already – three major professional sports franchises. And then I spent some time in St. Louis where you had the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Blues at the time. And coming to Vegas, it was really like fertile ground because this area was really hungry for a major professional sports franchise to call their own. And uh, there were tremendous sports fans. Um, and so we noticed right away there was a ton of hockey fans in the market. They were already fans of, of another team. And uh, so it was easy to – to really introduce the sport because a lot of the fans were really knowledgeable about the sport of hockey. But I think what people really wanted was that identifier. They wanted something that when they would go to another part of the country, people wouldn't just ask, oh, you're from Las Vegas? Do you gamble? Oh, yeah. Sin City, do you live on the Strip? They wanted something else to identify with, and uh, the Golden Knights gave them that. And so I think that that, that helped us really uh, get a leg up on – other teams that will come into the area and that have come into the area because we were the first. Yeah, I think that's a great thing because, I mean, when I was around Vegas uh, in the inaugural season, you really saw, just like the Vegas-born, it really was with everyone, even if they didn't like hockey, it was part of them at that point because it was their only sport. It was the thing that, like you said, I thought that was great that they're not no longer just the casinos. There, You have a hockey team. You have a hockey team that made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in the first year. That's another talking point instead of just going right to the casinos. And I think that 
when people go to Vegas now, and maybe this is your market as well, not just people in Vegas, is that they're not just going to the casinos, but they could also uh, be ha- be going to T-Mobile Arena for a fun night. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we celebrated was we wanted to be the hottest show on the strip, and kind of that leads how we looked at the entertainment aspect of our games, and uh, that was our goal from day one. But yeah, I mean, coming to Vegas now, instead of just going to a show or a casino or a fine dining establishment, now the Golden Knights is on everybody's to-do list and bucket list when they visit Vegas, and um, that's that's something that we're really proud of. And that leads me uh, to my next question uh, with the people coming in and the tours, because this past December, I went to a Florida Panthers game in Florida. And in the winter, the Canadian snowbirds fly down, uh, and the arena was filled with Habs fans during the Montreal Canadiens-Florida Panthers game, so much that it was almost like a Montreal Canadiens home game, like they were booing the Panthers and cheering the Canadiens. Many people feared uh, that away fans could cause the same problem in Vegas uh, because Vegas is a tourist attraction. Uh, What has happened in Vegas, and how are you making sure that this doesn't happen and that it's a Vegas Golden Knights crowd in T-Mobile Arena every single night? So our head of ticketing, Todd Pollack, he was the first employee hired by Bill Foley, and and he worked really hard to help populate a deposit campaign early, early on. We're talking 2015, 2016, and uh, it was really important for us to get people to put down deposits and then convert them into full season tickets. And from that work, if you look at our season ticket base, we're about 90% local with our season tickets. And I think a lot of people, like you said, exactly, they thought that uh, our season ticket base was going to be based more tourist than locals. And so we're 90% uh, local. And we're really proud of that. You know, that goes back to the Vegas born aspect. And, and uh, we really try to celebrate the local fan base here. In year one, we had a little bit more of a um, – a, a wider net philosophy with our group sales where we really tried to work with different hotels and casinos and concierge about really trying to attract visiting team fans. And so it led to a really good playoff like atmosphere. And we still had a, a dominant percentage in terms of market share with our fans. But then we started looking at how do we really create a true home ice advantage? So we actually started restricting group sales for just local residents as well okay. in year two and year three. And so that's been the philosophy that we've taken is to really try to create that home ice advantage. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I think that's really interesting that you guys did that uh, because I went to, when I was in Vegas, like I said, I was at a golden Knights versus LA Kings game and their first year was already seemed like a big rivalry at that point. And I really felt that, it was a Vegas crowd, uh, and I think all your marketing and what you've done with that Vegas born has really made that. Um, but like I said, you try to make that the the game, the spotlight in the in the strip and in the hotels. I mean, there was Vegas on the list of the shows. There's Carrot Top, Circus Soleil, Vegas Golden Knights versus LA Kings. It's all on the list. So I think that you want to be careful. We want all the people coming in from Vegas, but you also want to bring in that atmosphere uh, from fans as well uh, from out of the state and from other cities. Um, but one thing the Golden Knights have done that no other team has done before, uh, which I thought was really cool, is 
your off-season road trips. Uh, because like I said, your fan base is not just in Nevada. It's in Montana. It's in Wyoming. It's in Idaho. And you guys do these road trips uh, to grow your fan base out of Nevada. Can you tell me a little bit about that and why you guys have chosen to do that and how effective it's been? Uh, that was really a, a philosophy that we decided to take, uh, really more of a regional approach that, that really mirrored our TV territory. When we got awarded the franchise, we worked with AT&T Sportsnet for our rights holder on the TV broadcast, and the NHL granted us the largest TV territory in, in the U.S. in terms of um, hockey markets. And so it is a seven-state region. And for us, Wow. Yeah, I know. For us, it, it was important to really try to cultivate those markets that uh, that weren't just in Nevada for our TV territory. And so we thought it'd be really good to get on a caravan and uh, bring our broadcasters, our players, our mascot. And this started in year one, and we've done it every year since. And uh, it, it's our way of really going to an outer market territory and really making them feel like they are not only special, but they are part of the Golden Knights family. And so for us, we go into a market like Billings, Montana, and we set up a youth hockey clinic for the kids there for free. And, uh, and we have some meet and greets with the players, autograph sessions, and then we leave behind sticks and ball hockey sticks and ball, uh, balls for the kids and banners in the arena. And so for us, it's, it's really important to make an impact in these markets so that they feel like the Golden Knights are their home team as well. I think that's great because, I mean, before the Golden Knights were in Vegas, Vegas uh, was just another city that didn't have a hockey team. And a lot of the states uh, that, I, that you're going to don't have hockey teams. And I think it's great to try and grow the sport even more because not only are you growing the fan base of the Golden Knights, you're growing the sport of hockey, which I think everyone – that likes hockey can agree on. Um, but out of all the things you've done uh, with the Golden Knights uh, that you've learned from your career in, in Tampa and St. Louis, what is one marketing tool that, if you could choose one, that you think has propelled the Golden Knights uh, to its success that it has today? You know, I think it's really important. I, there's something that I've always subscribed to and just in my career and, and kind of my personal philosophy with sports marketing is you really have to target and attract families. Um, for me, it's, it's important. I've got, you know, three boys of my own and, and, uh, and I know how powerful really uh, getting kids attracted to the game. Kids have the opportunity to really pull the entire family dynamic with them. And uh, I've got a chance to experience it as well. Uh, and you think about, you know, growing up, how you became a fan of a particular team. You know, I grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals because they used to do spring training in St. Pete. And my dad used to take me to games, and, and I used to get autographs from Ozzie Smith. And so I became a fan that way. Well, everybody's got their own moments where, as a child, something pushed them to a direction of a particular team in a particular sport. You think about what that is. So if we can do that from our perspective, whether it's having some of our players out in the community, whether it's visiting hospitals or having our mascot to go to different events or doing a clinic for free in different markets or territories, just having that interaction can help shape lifelong fandom. And so I've always believed that if you can reach a kid before the age of eight, 
that's kind of the decision-making time in their life where they become a fan of a particular team. And so I really try to subscribe to that. We, we really try to operate that way here in Vegas as well. I think that's a really interesting point uh, when it comes to the youth because I agree with you. I'm 16. I think that it's really important to get us young and because when I'm playing hockey uh, at the rinks and when I was playing when I was uh, in squirt, uh, which was in middle school and in elementary school, it's, it's really key to make us feel that we're being heard uh, and make us feel touched so that we can come to the arena and experience the NHL. Uh, but it leads me to my next question, uh, which I think is interesting because the Golden Knights are in Vegas and any show in Vegas is going to be expensive. T-Mobile Arena, it's, it's not cheap, uh, but now you're having the Silver Knights, uh, which is going to be your AHL team uh, this coming season. Do you think that, I know the money goes to the same place, but do you think that since the tickets are going to be a lot cheaper at the Silver Knights, that it could take anything away from uh, the Golden Knights ticket sales? I don't think so personally. You know, our fans have responded just incredibly well. We're about 105% capacity, so we're oversold for all of our games at T-Mobile Arena. It's more of a premium product right now. You're talking about uh, some tickets over $100 as far as our average ticket price. I think our, our goal with AHL is just to be even more accessible to fans. And so you're going to have some tickets as low as $10 uh, for fans and families to experience that. And I think there's something really special about seeing young prospects in Henderson eventually work their way up to the Vegas Golden Knights. So you'll have this nice little pipeline of talent starting in Henderson and going to Vegas. And so I, I don't think it's going to undercut our product in Vegas because you're still talking about the National Hockey League and, and everything that that represents. I just think that Henderson gives us some more opportunity to expand our fan base even further and hopefully introduce the game of hockey to even more families because there's really nothing better than live hockey. Yeah. It's probably the best sport live. I agree. But uh, so actually to have more families be able to experience that, we're excited. And now Henderson's coming in uh, to the picture, but it's not the only team coming into the Las Vegas sports industry. Vegas is a gr- is looking like a new growing sports town and the Las Vegas Raiders are coming to town and they're about to start. Do you have any concerns uh, that it'll take fans away from the Knights and what are your marketing tools to try and combat people um, from going to T-Mobile arena instead, uh, instead of going to the new Raiders stadium? It's interesting because I came uh, directly from the NFL. I spent five years with the Rams and the Buccaneers. So you can use uh, enemy – I don't (laughs) want to say enemy, but like enemy intel kind of. Yeah, I got a little intel, yeah, for sure. I think it's great, though, to speak on behalf of just a fan of of Las Vegas and and the NFL. I think having the Raiders here just elevates this city as as really the new sports and entertainment capital of the world, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, I think what's unique that a lot of people don't realize is that Las Vegas is really like two markets in one. We have almost 2.5 million people that live here, but 43 million tourists visit every year. And so yeah. you think about the dynamics between hockey and the schedule versus football. Football is really eight home games that are really centered around Sundays. And so it's built for teams 
is built for fans from visiting markets to fly in on a Friday or Saturday, go yeah. to a hotel, go to a casino, and then stay for the game and fly out. Whereas hockey is more of the rhythm of the season where it's really catered more to locals. So I, I think there's room for both. I don't think that, uh, that we're going to compete for fans. I think fans are going to embrace the Raiders just like they embrace the Golden Knights. And I think it's uh, going to elevate the market as a whole. But their model is going to be based a little bit more on tourists than ours are. I think that's a really interesting point uh, with the niches. I didn't think about that before, uh, but I mean, you come from the marketing industry, so that's why I brought you on because you know about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting uh, when you talk about the Sundays because you're exactly right. People can come for the weekend and after the game, they can, I know the airport's very close to the strip. They take a taxi and they, they get on the plane. Uh, so I, I think that, the tactics you're using with Vegas born, like you said, is going more towards the people. You said 2.5 million people living in Vegas. You can easily fit in, uh, sell out a T-Mobile arena with 2.5 million people every day. Uh, and I know the Raiders stadium's bigger, but I think, like you said, uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of divide between the tourists uh, going into the Raiders stadium. Um, but now let's shift back to this season a little bit. After the pandemic hit the NHL, we're all wondering, is there hockey going to be back this season? Um, I personally hope so because I want to see some playoffs. I know you do because uh, Vegas is still in as well, and you want to see them try and get that cup this year. Uh, but once the NHL comes back, if they do, uh, which we're thinking – uh, the training camps can't start until at least July 10th, the NHLPA said. So we're thinking a little late Ju July or early August start for the NHL, uh, which we've never seen the NHL play during that time before. Uh, but once the NHL comes back, even though people can't go into the arenas, you guys are going to be very focused on uh, the commercials on TV because that's the only way people will be able to see the game. How do you promote the game when no one can come in? I know that's going to be a financial hit, but and you can't even have game parties uh, because you're going to have social distancing. Uh, how do you bring the excitement back to the fans, whether that's on social media or otherwise? You know, we spent a lot of time uh, researching and thinking and developing plans for this. You know, it's really the opposite of what sports marketers do. Our job is yeah. to try to fill the arenas and fill the stadiums with fans. Yeah. So, We've had to kind of shift gears and a couple of things that we're working on that we're proud of is uh, we want to celebrate everybody watching at home from their own environment. And so part of that is we're creating a stay at home watch party kit where fans are going to have the opportunity to buy to, to get a kit and it's going to have the rally towel, the light up sticks, stickers, things like that. And then what we're going that to do is genius. We're going to encourage fans to actually, you know, turn their lights out as part of nighttime. And then, you know, bring their sticks out, their rally sticks, their towels, and then take videos of that and then send them back to our social channels. So that way they can still experience the nighttime. But then we would use the user generated content and hopefully work with our broadcast partner and, and actually show fans from all over, not only Las Vegas, but around the world that are watching our game. And so that's one of the areas. Another area is just really working with the league on what our access can be. Um, 
you know, we wanted to, we're known for our entertainment. Part of that is, is what I refer to as nighttime, where it's 30 minutes prior to each puck drop, where it's our pregame warmups. If you've been there, Zach, were you there early yeah. today so you can see the pregame warmups? I was. So yeah. it's like a rock concert, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's loud, it's fast, it's high energy. We've got um, our Vegas Bells are down there creating a distraction with the visiting team. We've got a live Sword of the Stone moment on the ice with digital mapping. And so yeah. our goal would be how do we how do we bring a camera and the access down there on ice so that people could bring out their phone, whether it's YouTube or another streaming platform that we decide on, and actually feel like they're right down there on the ice. So it's giving them access that they haven't had before. So those are two areas we're focused on right now. I think that's really interesting because, first of all, the, the kit is a genius idea. I think uh, a lot of people would be interested to buy those. And I don't know, are you guys planning on selling those or giving them out? We're going to uh, do a little bit of both. So we're going to give them to our partners and some of our sponsors, and then we're going to sell them for, uh, for a low price to fans. Yeah, fans would be if I was in Vegas and I was a fan, I, I, I think that would be genius because you really want to be part of the experience. Playoff hockey is being in the building is one of the best things you can do as a hockey fan. And I think it's interesting because the people that will be buying these kits may not have been able to afford playoff tickets if the playoffs even happen. Uh, so I think giving them that opportunity uh, to be part of that playoff atmosphere, uh, even without fans in the arena, is really interesting. Also, uh, we don't know if, like you said, your local broadcasters will even be able to play the game because it may just be national because of the bubble and hub city scenario. And like you were saying, you may do streaming on Twitch and other things like that. Um, but not just ba put Vegas aside and think about the league as a whole. How do you think that the NHL is going to keep the game experience uh, on TV? Because there's going to be no fans. We're going to hear a lot more uh, from what the players are here saying than we usually would uh, and what the coaches will be saying um, because the fans won't be able to drown out their voices a lot. How do you keep that game atmosphere the same or even better than it has been before? I really think it comes down to access. I think camera angles are going to be big. I think, you know, um, you know, without having fans, you really have to elevate the broadcast. We've, we've looked at, you know, the Bundesliga, how they came back and how they piped in some crowd noise, and it, it just felt a little bit better um, than some of the other early iterations of, of sports coming back without fans. We don't want the sterile environment, but there is something about being able to catch some of that sound that uh, with guys mic'd up or, or mics on the bench. And um, so the league is really running point on that, and they're looking for solutions now that um, that there is an opportunity to really do things. And I think now, because of the adversity that we're going through in the pandemic, there's a a real opportunity for technology to play an even bigger role. Mm -hmm. I know I had a call. I reached out to a 19-year-old college student who had developed an app that I read about somewhere, and I reached out just to see. His app is called Hear Me Cheer, and basically what it does is it aggregates the sound. So if you're watching a game in real time and you just open up the app, you react to the game. So you're cheering, and what it does is it, uh, it normalizes everybody's feed into crowd noise. And so 
I think it's, that's genius. So I, t- yeah. I talked to him. I'm not sure if we're going to go that direction. Or the Lee's going to go that direction. But that's an example of of a solution that comes about because of this and uh, and through a 19 year old kid. And I think it's yeah. tremendous. So I think there's an opportunity to look at new technology solutions during this time to make things even more accessible. I mean, us my uh, us young guys, I uh, th- think uh, we're pretty smart. Uh, so it's good to think down to the younger generations, and I like that you're exploring not just the the Silicon Valley, the high tech people, but also high schoolers and college students. I think that's really cool. Uh, but also, I mean, I've been hearing from a lot of people. Maybe you could do like a G-rated uh, hockey broadcast, and then a full mics on PG thirteen, you know, type of thing because. I mean, let's be honest, some of the things players say are, I, I don't think uh, parents would want their kids to hear all the time. No, you're right about that. And you're also right, Zach, you know your stuff. So in terms of, of, uh, of definitely listening to the next generation, I mean, it's, it's, that's key. That's going to keep us evolving as a sport and as a franchise. And I'm always open to different ideas. Um, you know, I'm not sure I would like it as a dad of three boys. 10 and under to actually have that because uh, it's probably going to be more R-rated than PG-rated, yeah. to be honest. So, uh, PG-13, yeah, I, probably true. I, I do like the uh, I like the idea of trying to create an atmosphere, uh, whether it's with fans at home or even piped-in fans. It's just having some sort of atmosphere will definitely help. Yeah, yeah I 100% agree. And then uh, you got to be careful of who has the home ice advantage even though there's going to be no fans in the arena and the NHL just came out today, uh, who, who they think uh, could, who gets the home ice advantage uh, with all the seating. Uh, but now let's talk about post pandemic next season. Uh, it's expected that the only NHL may only start when fans can start to come back into the arenas. Uh, so there's been no hockey right now. When it comes back, do you think fans will be ready to come back into the arenas? I know that the casinos in Vegas are starting to opening, uh, starting to open, excuse me. Um, but do you think it'll stop people from coming? Uh, and how do you ensure their safety and how do you promote people to feel comfortable and get T-Mobile Arena sold out again? If you guys can even have a sold out uh, full state arena next season. How do you get that excitement back into the fans to make them feel safe? Well, first and foremost, I think, uh, you know, playoff hockey is going to whet everybody's appetite. I think, you know, our fans are chomping at the bit to, to see hockey. And then, like you said, there's nothing better than playoff hockey. So they're going to go through that. And we're all going to really just uh, enjoy that even without fans. I think, uh, you know, hopefully um, – you know, some of the steps get taken place as far as safety protocols with an antibody testing and, and a vaccine, hopefully. Um, but for us, we're planning on having fans next season. We have to plan for yeah. for uh, for success. And so we don't know when that's going to be. Is, uh, you know, it'll get pushed back a little bit. But uh, we are taking safety precautions. Um, we've got all that in place with our arena. Uh, we've got great partners with MGM and T-Mobile Arena that uh, – that, that we're following all the different protocols. We've already ordered masks and face coverings for everybody. We, we uh, are really spent a lot of time on the sanitation of the arena and uh, in all of our food protocols as well. A lot of the same things that other teams are doing, but we're, we're just, we have the plan in place 
and we'll be ready to go in terms of uh, when that time comes when we can invite fans back to T-Mobile Arena. Uh, but uh, it's our responsibility to make sure fans feel safe uh, from start to finish. And so we'll have a fully baked out plan to be able to share with, with our fans so that they do feel and they trust going to T-Mobile Arena again. Yeah. Uh, and now the final question. I don't know how much uh, you deal with this specifically, um, but maybe you do because social media is a huge part in marketing. And I know the Golden Knights have had a few uh, good tweets here and there. Uh, one of them to mention recently is uh, when the NHL released the 2014 format and they said, uh, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but they said it's good to be at the 17% top of the league, and then they tagged all the California teams uh, to give them a little jab uh, with, the, with the rivalries there. How key is social media and those little jabs on social media? How do those grow the fan base and keep people engaged? It's key for us. I mean, you think about our existence. We, uh, we had to launch our franchise on social media without having players, without having a team, and really just only have a logo. And so we built up a fan base for about four or five months on our social platforms just by being irreverent, being fun, being pop culture, taking slight jabs at teams because really we had nothing to back it up. You know, we could talk trash <laughs> yeah. uh, to other teams. We didn't have a game to play. Uh, we had no losses. So for us, it was establishing uh, the tone and the voice of our social platforms because we are Vegas, because we can do things a little different. and. Uh, and we can be innovative, we can be fun, and we can toe the line a little bit. So, yeah, yeah social is key for us. We really look at engagement as being the number one metric that we look for. And we want our fans engaging with our posts. And, you know, we're really proud of the fact we're first movers in a lot of areas. So we were the first team on Twitch in the NHL. We were the first mm -hmm. team on TikTok in the NHL. And so for us, it's we have to have a content plan associated with each platform. But our whole goal is to just really – um, make the tone and the voice feel like a fan. And so we, uh, you know, we, we empathize when the team loses and we ask for pictures of cats and pets and, and, we, uh, and we celebrate when the team wins. And so we, uh, we have a lot of fun with that, but social is a huge driver of really building our brand. And I think it's interesting that you said that you guys were the first on Twitch and TikTok. The social media world evolves every single day as you know uh, with all the marketing i mean tiktok came out of nowhere uh twitch started becoming really popular especially now uh during the pandemic it's always good uh to get be that one step ahead of every other team uh, but brian thank you so much uh for coming on today do you have anything else to add uh, before we sign off uh, no, Zach, I'd just say if you haven't been to Vegas to check out our Golden Knights game, we encourage you whenever uh, the league lets us have fans. And really excited about the Henderson Silver Knights as well. So our merchandise is flying off the shelves, and that's going to be another hot brand for us, and, and we're just excited. So thank you for your support, Zach, and for everybody listening. You're welcome. I know personally I can't wait to come back to Vegas and see a Golden Knights game, uh, and maybe I'll see a Silver Knights game as well. Um, and I hope to meet you then. Uh, but Brian, Absolutely. once again, thanks you, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy uh, to you and the rest of your family. Thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed that great interview with Brian Killingsworth of the Vegas Golden Knights. Brian, thank you so much for coming on and speaking about the marketing um, of the Golden Knights. Now let's get into some other NHL news. Uh, Big news coming from Buffalo last week. Uh, Surprising and not surprising at the same time, but the Buffalo Sabres have released their general manager, Jason Bottrell, of his duties and replaced him full-time with Kevin Adams, who is in their front office and was a former NHL player. Uh, Not surprising because the Buffalo Sabres have struggled uh, throughout the years uh, recently, Um, but surprising because just one month ago, uh, the management of the Buffalo Sabres said that they were all in on Jason Bottrell. Obviously, not the case anymore, according to Pierre Lebron of TSN and The Athletic. There was a conversation, uh, I guess, that didn't go right. And the Buffalo Sabres decide they want to go a different direction. Um, a lot of general managers throughout the league uh, secretly and anonymously are saying that they don't think it's fair uh, when you only give a general manager two years to make his imprint on the franchise very quick. Um, but that's just the way it is uh, when you have a struggling franchise, I guess. Um, they have Jack Eichel. Um, there's talks that Jack Eichel may want to leave and he, he has said, uh, enough is enough. Uh, he's been struggling and he doesn't like the losing and I don't think any player would, uh, but change is coming on. Um, not only did Jason Bottrell get fired, many, many people got fired that day. Scouts, assistants, uh, more scouts, assistant scouts, a lot of of people. If you look at the list, there's just so many names that, that got relieved of their duties that day. Um, I guess this is the big shakeup that the Buffalo Sabres want. Draft lottery is going to be this Friday on June 26th. Um, they're hoping hoping for some luck there. Um, but I think that this management change could really make, it's going to make or break the franchise. Uh, at least during this time, and it's going to make or break what happens out with Jack Eichel's career. If they can turn things around in Buffalo, Jack Eichel will be happy to stay. If not, he may request a trade uh, later on because, again, we've heard that he's not 100% happy. Um, So I'll be interested to see what happens in Buffalo. Um, But again, it's sad how many people lost their jobs that day, but the Buffalo Sabres are ready to make a change. And whenever the 2020-2021 season starts, uh, they're going to be looking to get into those playoffs. Um, But now let's uh, move on to a different front. We've been hearing a lot about the Hub Cities. Everyone wants to hear about the Hub Cities. All the news we have is probably this week uh, there will be a decision, and we'll hopefully be able to talk about it in next week's podcast episode. Uh, but be sure to follow us on social media if something does happen this week. Uh, what we're hearing is that list of 10 cities went to now six. The three Canadian cities are still in the mix. Uh, Vegas is also a confirmed name, so there's two others. Uh, we don't know uh, who's going to be in there. Um, but last week I was saying Toronto was the front runner for the Canadian teams. Now it looks like they may be behind uh, Edmonton and Vancouver again. Things are just seesawing here. Uh, But we also got some big news from the Canadian government. They are saying uh, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, says that he is okay with teams coming in uh, and 
Canada and one of the Canadian teams being one of those hub cities. Uh, and that is fine unless the local health officials say it's not. But that gives a high possibility uh, that there will be a Canadian hub city. Um, like I said last week, I personally don't like two West teams um, because of the TV broadcasting. Uh, there's also been talk if teams are allowed to be playing in their city, even though they'll be at a hotel, like could the Vegas Gold Knights be playing in Las Vegas? Could the Edmonton Oilers be playing in Edmonton? Well, if you have two Western cities and you're going to keep them there, there's going to be at least one team that is going to be playing in their city. Uh, so unless Los Angeles is one of those hub cities, you're it's going to be unavoidable to have one of those hub cities host uh, the team that plays in that city. Um, I personally think it's okay again um, because I really don't think um, there's going to be a home advantage if there's no fans. Um, but again, we should hear about that this week um, on that front. Uh, also, like we've heard from The Athletic, the CBA, which is the Collective Bargaining Agreement, um, that has one more year this year. They are the NHL and the NHLPA are working on that, and it could possibly be um, signed and solved for a four to five year extension this summer. It's probably possibly going to be voted on with the return to play. Um, but now let's get into the return to play as a whole. This week, the NHL has announced that out of the 200 players, that have been tested, there have been 11 positive tests. Um, the NHL also has a rule that they're not going to say what teams they're from, what who the players are. Um, I'm just going to tell you the reports that were coming out. First of all, it has been confirmed that there are players in the Tampa Bay Lightning that have tested positive Tampa Bay Lightning did make a statement. It looks like there were three players and two staff members of that tested positive. And again, those 11 out of the 200 players, those are players and not staff members. So those are only three out of the 11. Um, we're hearing that, according to the Toronto Sun, that one of the other players could be Austin Matthews. But again, I have no confirmation on that. I'm just letting you know that is a report. It's it was inevitable uh, for there to be positive tests. The NHL knows this, uh, but a lot of players aren't happy, um, and it's hurting the chances for the return to play to come back. There's no hub, there's no bubble right now. Um, so with players out in the real world, there's there's going to be possibility for there to be positive tests. Um, there's been flare-ups in Florida and Arizona. Um, that's possibly where most of the tests are coming from. Austin Matthews. Uh, if that report is true, is in Arizona. If Tampa Bay Lightning are in Florida, it looks like there could be more players in Arizona uh, that tested positive. So those are the main flare-ups. Um, but again, the NHL is only going to start training camps on July 10th if there is a an agreement. And there's going to have to be protocols um, with the NHLPA that they're going to have to vote on. 
A lot of players want a full player vote, which is a vote between all of the players of the NHLPA, not just the 31 reps. Um, the NHL wants to play, and a lot of players I just read today uh, from The Athletic, one of the players said, we're not happy. Um, there's concerns of older players, uh, older coaches, older management. Um, what about um, family members at home that may be sick uh, with other things that could make them compromise for COVID-19? It's all important uh, to talk about here. Um, but the NHL said they will be announcing testing and positive tests every week. Um, so we just have to see what happens. Um, in this week, we'll find out, like I said, the hub cities most likely. After those hub cities are released, we're probably going to get an NHLPA vote um, in the next week or two. Uh, so we will see um, if the players are not happy enough to not agree to come back. Um, this season, uh, and that would be disappointing. But, I mean, again, I understand all of their concerns and all of the testing, um, and we're seeing a lot of positive tests uh, from other leagues. I mean, I know the Clemson football team has 23 players that tested positive. Uh, the, the Phillies uh, in Florida at their training camp, um, they had eight positive tests. So these are inevitable, and we'll see if the NHL – and the NHLPA can navigate through this. Another friendly reminder, um, we're getting some NHL live news on Friday. June 26th is phase one of the NHL draft lottery. We have not, I know we've been talking about NHL news every week, but this week we're finally going to get something. Um, we're going to know if, who the number one, number two, and number three pick of the NHL draft are um, if, again, they're those bottom seven teams, uh, like I discussed in a few weeks ago uh, with the NHL draft lottery, because um, there's still going to be possible uh, that the winners of those picks are one of those letter value teams uh, that would be in the qualifiers, um, but it is very likely for us to have uh, – for us to have those picks and for us to know who will be picking first, second, and third in the draft whenever that happens, possibly um, in October. Um, but I think that's really exciting. So we'll talk about it in the draft lottery next week as well. Uh, we'll be posting on social media, so make sure you follow us there. Um, and I hope you watch it live uh, because we'll finally get some live NHL news um, this week, uh, check your broadcasters. I think it will be on NBCSN uh, in the U.S., and I'm not sure if it's on Sportsnet or TSN in Canada, um, but make sure you watch that as well. Uh, anyways, that's all we have for the NHL news. I hope you enjoyed that interview once again uh, with Brian Killingsworth, uh, who is the CMO of the Vegas Gold Knights, and I hope you enjoyed that segment of NHL news. Uh, there's a lot to go through, and I hope you watch the NHL Draft Lottery this week on Friday, June 26th. And uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, and Facebook at Quarantine Hockey HQ. 
uh, and on Twitter at HockeyHQPodcast. Uh, to listen to any other episode, if you are just joining the Quarantine Hockey HQ family now, please go to linktr.ee slash QuarantineHockeyHQ. Uh, we have some great interviews in the past. Um, but anyways, everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.